Good morning. My name is Emily Boston, pronouns she and her. The musicians of this church brought the magic of live music back into my life. I didn't know how much I missed it. So thank you. And thank you if you're on Zoom today. Music can express both joy and longing, comfort and fear, truth and mystery. This month's RE theme is mystery and wonder. A good lesson for children, but perhaps a more needed one for adults. I'd like to leave more space for mystery and wonder in my life. One way I find it is through creative expression, my own work and the work of others. We all know creative expression is good for us, but so are Brussels sprouts and squats. <laughs> like eating our veggies or building our muscles, it takes discipline. Self-discipline to make the time or improve our skills or work through the hard parts. There is a saying, I hate writing, but I love having written sometimes attributed to Dorothy Parker, that resonates with me. I imagine this may also apply to other art forms. After I've written, I feel so much better, but actually putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard is so hard. As you use, we recognize the need for justice work in the world. As congregants of this church, we recognize the need for volunteer work to keep the church running. Volunteers, 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 volunteers. Also, life outside the church is chock full of obligations. What right have we to attend to our silly little creative endeavors when there is so much work to be done? Our church mission statement is to free the mind, grow the spirit, and reach out to the world. Free the mind, grow the spirit, and reach out to the world. For us to bring our best selves to the work of our families, our jobs, our committees, and our justice work, we need to nurture our spirits. For me, part of that is my writing. Committee work can be a deeply meaningful community building experience, or sometimes it can be a chore. Right? As we follow Reverend Ben's advice to feed the health of our community, I encourage you to make some space in your life for your imagination. I posted a week or so ago, a list on the group's I.O. group for the creative aspects of church, and I received so many answers, too many to list. Some of them I had thought of, and some of them I had missed. I'll talk more about those later. First, I want to tell you a bit about my personal creative journey. 
I started writing poetry because my functional neurologist recommended it. We were at an impasse. Nothing was helping. We were both disheartened. She asked me if I painted, sketched, took pictures, anything like that. I shook my head. I had once been creative as a kid, encouraged by my parents, a teenager, a young adult. I majored in theater. I took acting, directing, scene design, playwriting. Even courses that weren't specifically creative in nature usually required writing papers, the ones I took anyway, maybe not the ones Carol took. So I was always writing something. I graduated college and chose what looked like a practical degree in arts management, graduating with a master's in 2009. Then the economy crashed. I developed headaches that kept me from using screens, and my carefully constructed practical plan fell apart. There were elements of creativity in working at Brooks Brothers, helping people choose clothes, but I would hardly say it was a creative outlet. I occasionally wrote little rhymes for friends for their birthdays, but basically, creativity was not part of my life. It's not practical. I am a practical person. My mama raised me to be a practical person, didn't she? I had very little energy, and I needed to use it for things that were essential. But Dr. Cat wanted me to develop my right brain so I could have balance between the hemispheres. I figured it was worth a try. There would be no side effects. That would be an improvement over many of the headache treatments I tried. So I came home that day and started writing rhymes. They just poured out of me like I was Elsa releasing the snowstorm. And I started feeling a little better. I wrote every day. I started a blog. I got positive feedback from family and friends, many of you. I wrote some more. I developed my internal voice. I would handwrite, I still do, handwrite the poems on lined paper, snap a picture, and post it on social media. The scope was small. I didn't allow myself to linger, to revise, to doubt. I would write one or two drafts, copy it over in legible handwriting, post it, and I was done. I would love to say that from then on, I wrote every day and my pain went away. But it's not that easy. Even though I know that I feel better when I write, I don't always do it. Even though I know that research supports the health benefits of creative work, I don't always do it. Even though it doesn't really take that long to just write a little rhyme, sometimes months go by with no writing. Sometimes that's because I'm writing something else, like this sermon. And sometimes all I can do is journal. And sometimes I just don't write. I'm expounding today on the value of creativity and imagination. But I also need to say that life gets in the way. Your boss may actively discourage your use of creativity at work. 
You may be burning up your life force, working, caregiving, dealing with discrimination, healing from trauma, maybe all of the above. Imagination takes energy, and the energy isn't always there. We need rest, more rest than we realize. Sleep is crucial, but rest is different. Rest, to me, means being unproductive. Harder than it sounds. After we rest, we need self-discipline to create again. This reminds me of the sermon Reverend Bruce gave a month or so ago about balancing self-acceptance and self-improvement. We need both. Some of you will say, but I am Emily. I will say that's baloney. You were creative as a child, and the capacity to create is still within you. Have you ever known a child without imagination? Our culture typically encourages small children to express their creativity. For example, to draw in the bathtub with bath crayons while pretending to be a crab. It was adorable. Then we get a little older. We learn to be self-conscious, self-critical, and self-censoring. We need some of those inhibitions. We cannot all be dancing around in our underwear at church. <laughs> Growing up and taking on adult responsibilities is essential. And there are responsibilities at every age. And always the prospect of a profession lies ahead. We must be practical. Bills do need to be paid. And dinner does need to be made. I need not list all the responsibilities that weigh on us. And yet, we can listen to that song. Let some of our inhibitions go. We can let go of some of those self-conscious, self-critical, self-censoring habits we learned. There is a reason that let it go is a smash hit song, and it's not just Adina Menzel, although she certainly gets some credit. Here are a few lines from Let It Go from the movie Frozen, originally sung by Adina Menzel as Elsa. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small, and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Sarah and I have been attending Music Together classes in Cedar Hills on and off since early in the pandemic. The teachers tell us that all children can learn basic musical competence. Not that every child can grow up to rival Adina Menzel but that every child can learn to keep a rhythm and sing in tune. I spent my entire adult life believing that I couldn't sing. Not that I couldn't sing well, but that I really couldn't sing. And I rarely sang, even when by myself. I could hear myself not hitting the notes. 
I'd reach for them, like a hand fumbling in the dark for the light switch on the wrong side of the door. I'm a writer, okay? Cheryl Macy often told me she could teach me to sing. One day I let her do it. She sat down at our keyboard and played Wouldn't It Be Loverly? And I felt in the notes. I can hear the notes, I know the words, couldn't get the notes. So she said, let's try an octave down. The sound interacts with the note when you hit it just right, she told me. We tried again, this octave down. And I hit the notes. There is value in an honest recognition of your strengths and weaknesses. There is also value in not giving a hoot. Young children can be a shield against the critic, that internal voice that tells you you look stupid. I don't mind looking a little silly if I have Sarah with me as an excuse. There are different ways to work through the thorny parts of creative work. When you're stuck, repetitive physical movement can help generate ideas. The kneading of the dough, the walking, maybe meditating. Mary Chapin Carpenter does this and calls it song walking. Other people can help overcome the many obstacles to creative work with both support and accountability. I told Diane that I was going to give a sermon on December 10th, so I better do it. This gives me permission to prioritize the writing over the other demands on my time, of which there are many. So back to that list of things for elements of creative work in the church. The answers were too many to list, but you can see many of them here today. The aesthetics team decorating the sanctuary to the artist gallery downstairs. We have Soul Collage, Shaw Ministry, to the sign language interpretation, translation of Spirit of Life. Small actions like arranging the flowers for Sunday services or writing a handwritten card to somebody for helping hands. Maybe you don't think of yourself as a creative person because you don't write or paint or sing. Maybe your training and profession has left not, no room for imagination. Maybe creativity means something different for you. As we look toward 2024, I encourage you to make some space in your life for imagination. Find inspiration through the work of others. Let a fellow congregant teach you their craft. Try a brand new project or revisit a creative practice you abandoned decades ago. And when you're ready, share it with this community. And now, let us sing.